Hey, welcome to the Health Coaches Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Howard Jacobson. Before we get to today's episode, a question. Would you like to become a wicked effective health coach to help people change their behaviors, change their habits, change their health destinies, and to be able to do it through a reliable process, one that works every time? If so, I'd invite you to check out the WellStart Health Coach Training Academy. And you can find it at wellstartcoach.com. And you can check and see when we're running our next training course. All right, let's get to today's topic. Andrew Taylor, welcome to the Health Coaches Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, you know, well, I've interviewed you, you know, for Plant Yourself, and you shared, you know, the whole story. We talked about Spud Fit and all that. So why don't you give like a 45-second to, to one-and-a-half-minute um, synopsis of your journey up to the point where you started helping other people change? Yeah, well, basically, uh, I discovered I was a food addict and I decided to quit food entirely, uh, which obviously is impossible. So I quit everything except potatoes. That's There was a lot of uh, scientific reasoning that went into that as well as psychological. Uh, but that's what I did. And, and it, it got a lot of attention. And I started getting emails from all around the world uh, from people who wanted help with food addiction. Uh, and initially, I decided to write a short little ebook that would hopefully mean that people could go to get that ebook and read it and have their questions answered and leave me alone because I wouldn't have enough time in the day to answer emails. But uh, all that book did was increase the number of emails I got. <laughs> so uh, it was just uh, this sort of happened organically that it, I, basically I got to a point where if I'm going to keep answering these questions and keep spending so much time on um, helping people, I'm going to have to charge for it because I just don't have the hours in the day to be able to, to do that consistently. So I, I started um, charging for my coaching services. And yeah, here All we right. are. Terrific. So um, just to clarify, like, what's what's your profession when you're not coaching? Uh, I've been a teacher for a long time, a high school okay. teacher. Uh, and, and yeah, I still uh, do that one day a oh. week. So and then and then, yeah, the rest of the time I'm a, I'm a, a gotcha. coach now. So obviously there's a lot of overlap between teaching and coaching. Um, but, you know, I was a school teacher for many years. And basically what I got graded on was how well my students could regurgitate knowledge or, um, you know, write an essay. But, but essentially information as opposed to action. Um, yeah, well, like when you when you started yeah, coaching, so, like what did you know? How, what was that like when when all of a sudden what people had to return to you was like change? Yeah, well, it was a little bit different for me because the, the majority of my teaching career was spent working with what we call at risk youth, and uh, and these are kids that have uh, had all sorts of troubles and and don't fit into mainstream education for whatever reason. Uh, it could be, you know, drug problems, could be family issues, could be, you know, trauma, all sorts of things. So, so the majority of my career was spent dealing with those kinds of kids and, and, uh, and, you know, success has to be measured a little bit differently with those kids. It's not about, you know, can you, can you, uh, do algebra? It's, it's more about, can you 
uh, turn up to school consistently and um, and not swear at the teachers. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> that's a, that's a little bit. You know, it depends on the kind of kid you're working with, obviously. But but yeah, so I think I, I was that relates a little bit more to being a coach than than a standard sort of teacher job where my job was more about trying to find common ground with the kids and build relationships and try to gain their trust and try to help them see that, um, you know, the world doesn't have to be the way it is for them and, they, and that they have control and they have power to change the way things are. And, and, and that's a pretty similar thing to how I, how I operate with health coaching. It's just a big, a big, uh, focus is on trying to, um, change, my client's perception of reality and uh and trying to get them to see that you know they're in control and they have power and and uh and these stories that are circulating in their heads are are not necessarily true or need to be acted on yeah it sounds exactly like coaching And and in fact when i look at my own sort of bad health behaviors over the years i'm exactly like one of those at risk kids yeah, definitely. Me too. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's a, it's a, yeah, we've all got that, that sort of thought pattern in, in one aspect of our lives or another, I think that destructive thought pattern that we, you know, once we understand how our thoughts work, we can get about changing it. So how, how do you go about doing that? Because, you know, a lot of people in our field, not necessarily coaches, but people who want to help other people with lifestyle change, we like talk mm-hmm. at them and tell them how to think differently. Right. And that, yeah, <laughs> I've never found that worked on me or or for me. So what, what are the techniques? Like, how would you approach someone who's like eating the way you were, you know, seven, eight years ago, and that you see that their their map of reality is faulty? Yeah, yeah. Well, for me, I think everyone nearly well pretty much everyone has the answers to their own questions they've already got the answers they just need a little bit of um guidance to to get that those answers so for me it's it's mostly about asking questions and just um if you ask the right questions in the right way then you can sort of guide people to finding their own answers so um if someone says hey i did really well for with my diet for for a week and then uh and then i've you know, I fell off or I had a slip up, as people like to say, um, then then I would my question would be, OK, what did you get out of that? What was the you know, how did that benefit you? And let's get get into that and try to, you know, what were you trying to achieve by deciding to eat cake instead of you know beans and rice? What was what was the goal of that? And did you reach that goal? And if so, what how else could we reach that goal you know what other what other possible behaviors could we have done instead that would have given you what you were looking for in that moment and uh and yeah we can we that's a a a typical thing so so that's the sort of question that nobody ever asks themselves right everyone everyone asks like why did i do that what's wrong with me Right. Like, why am I so stupid or and and you're asking a positive question like, what did it do for you? So now their brain just sort of short circuits a little bit and they have to search for an answer. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and you're right about why am I so stupid? Why don't I have the willpower? Why don't you know, these are these are the questions that go around in people's heads. It's always when things go wrong, it's always because there's some kind of problem or shortcoming with me. I'm broken in some way. And um and 
nobody's broken. We're not broken. We just need to learn new ways of doing things. Everyone's in perfect working order. And in my eyes, we just, you know, we're, we need to learn new ways of doing things. That's all it is. And, and yeah, so we can challenge people's um, preconceptions of who they are and why they do things. And, yeah, and, and people can start thinking differently if we just ask the right mm -hmm. questions. Now, a lot of coaches are, are more or less anonymous in that, you know, we are we serve the function of coach. You started coaching because you were, for lack of a better word, famous, that you had done this one this one thing. <laughs> and was it does everyone come to you wanting to eat nothing but potatoes for a year or, or like, like they sort of imprinted on like that specific thing and you have to kind of guide them towards more general fundamentals? Yeah, some people do come to me wanting to eat only potatoes and and but most most people are now I think under well most people who come to me they're probably uh, they spend a little bit of time looking into me and what I do and before they actually start talking to me and they understand that I'm not just about only potatoes anymore so uh, so yeah, a lot of people come to me and they're ready to, uh, just get straight to a, a, a good sustainable, uh, eating pattern. And so probably I'd say three out of 10 people that I coach do only potatoes for a period of time. Not, I've got one guy who's, who's aiming to do a year. He's about halfway through. Well, it's, it's nearly the end of June and he started on January 1st and he wants to do a whole year and he's doing amazingly well. But, uh, I've also got one other person who's just going to do two weeks of potatoes at the moment. And then everyone else that I'm coaching at the moment is uh, is just doing whole food, plant based eating. And, uh, you know, whatever eating pattern you choose, it's really all about changing the way you think about food and the way you relate to food. And, and uh, if you decide to do only potatoes like I did, it's really just a vehicle that allows you time and space to to, uh, to you know, examine your thoughts and examine your lifestyle and change the way you do things. So when yeah, so when you were doing it on your own, did you have someone you were sort of processing all of the things that were bubbling up that you had been using food to keep down or were you kind of on your own? I was sort of on my own. Yeah, it was uh, I ended up sort of being a thing I did on YouTube, which is a, a whole different weird story about how I ended up doing that on YouTube. But yeah, it, it turned out to be a good thing, not because I was interacting with other people just because I was forcing myself each day to sit down and talk to the camera about my experiences. And that was that really helped me process it. I was sort of my own therapist in that way when I was when I was, uh, you know, sitting down and talking through each situation and what how I dealt with it. And yeah, that was that was a, a pretty useful thing. So I don't think you need necessarily to do a YouTube channel or, you know, share your thoughts with with other people. But some form of journaling, whether it's talking to a camera or writing your thoughts down, I think is a helpful thing. Mm. Uh -huh. okay. So when you're when you're working with with people um, and your help in, in the um, so are you doing it like, you know, Zoom or Skype or phone call or email? What's what are the modalities you use? Yeah, I, most of it's phone calls. Um, and I, I, I actually usually when I'm on the phone, uh, I I go for a walk. I feel like I, I think more creatively and clearly when I'm walking. So I go for a walk and I encourage my clients to also go for a walk and we walk and talk and uh, it's a good way to do it. Um, some people, it's really, it depends on the client. Some people really prefer to be, do a video call so they can see me and, um, you know, because we all, we all learn differently. We all think differently and some people need that face-to-face -face contact and that's fine. We do that. But most people are happy with 
um, we go for a walk together and we're just talking on the phone and, um, and yeah, that works really gotcha. well. So it's, it's, you know, you're a very sort of authoritative, calming figure. Like if I were talking to you about my problems, I could see how you could help me change my thinking in the moment while we're coaching. How do you help me translate these thoughts into actions when I do feel the compulsions or I'm stressed out or anxious? Yeah, well, a big part of what we do is is we come up with a thought, what I call a thought plan. So usually when you're working with a food coach and most of my coaching is is people with food issues, um, the focus would be all about the food plan. What am I going to eat? When am I going to eat? How, you know, how much? All of that sort of stuff. So I have a food plan as well. It's a very simple, basic food plan, and I'll, I'll develop that with my clients. And, and the main thing that we work on is the thought plan, though, and that's so we'll come up with uh, we'll talk about the client's history. We'll talk about what has worked well and what has not worked so well for them in the past and what things have got in the way of success. And, and we'll come up with a plan for how we're going to deal with certain situations that are likely to come up. And, and then it's a, you know, the, the first thing is that the client needs to be reading through that thought plan in the morning every day um, so that it's at the front of their mind because it's, it's you know, if, you talk, if, if we talk on Sunday about a thought plan, what are we going to do for the week? Um, that's that's a nice thing to talk about. But by Friday, that's, you know, it's slipped away and it's subconscious. So it's really important every morning to get up and I call it priming the mind. Uh, it's, that's not something I made up. I can't remember where I got it from. But but it's uh, priming the mind every morning you get up and you, and you go through your thought plan. And the purpose of that is to bring it to the front of your mind in the morning so that when the situation comes up during the day, you your mind is primed and it's there at the front of your mind ready for use instead of you know fading away to the background and maybe you can't quite recall what you're supposed to do in a certain situation so that's that's the biggest one just priming the mind in the morning and being ready with that thought mm. plan do you ever have people who like i sometimes have clients who it's like they're pre they're trying to forget like some part of them is trying to yeah. forget what we just agreed they were going to do like people who like oh yeah i didn't do my thought plan this week Oh, yeah, all the time. So, yeah. so then, what, then what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's just we just got to keep reinforcing. And, you know, it, it might be a situation where, OK, I'm going to send you a text message every morning and remind you. And, you know, I don't I don't want to I don't want to force myself on people on a daily basis. But, you know, if if uh, we'll talk about that and, OK, would it help you if I send you a text message every morning? So that, you know, when you wake up, you'll see my text message and that'll remind you to do this this morning routine. And it's only two to three minutes. We're talking about reading a very short thought plan and, you know, being prepared for the day. So it's an easy thing. I always tell people, just do it while you're on the toilet in the morning. And it's, <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't take any extra time then. So, yeah, that's that's one thing I'll do is a, a text message in the morning and just remind people and, uh, yeah. We, we just keep working, you know, people, it, it, it sinks in eventually. I did have one person, my, one of my favorite stories was uh, that I worked with someone for six months before they finally had their first weight loss week and they finally, you know, started, started actually following this plan and, and, uh, and yeah, at the end of that week, she was very excited and mm -hmm. she's doing very well now. We've been working together for a year now and she's doing very, very well. But yeah, it took six months to get that first big breakthrough and, I think it's it's there for everyone. We just mm. yeah, it's everyone works differently, and we'll find a so way. How, how do you? Because um, I have clients who, 
you know, for back, lack of a better word, lack self-efficacy. Like they just don't believe in themselves. They don't believe it's possible for them. Yeah. And it sounds like this person that you worked on for for six with for six months, like I'm imagining if myself not making any progress, I would get discouraged. How do you help people who come in? Yeah. You know, like worse than they were before because they got excited and they still are following old patterns. Yeah, it's a tough one, and there's there's no like number one right answer for this but i just think it's really important for for people in that frame of mind i I try to get those people to view what we're doing as an experiment so in an experiment when a scientist is conducting an experiment they're supposed to do it in a in a passionless emotionless way you just have some tests to do and the results are the results and it's and it's not you know it's not emotion and investment in the results is not required all you need to do is follow the steps test the, the hypothesis and find out what happens. And and I find that as, as a really good approach for people that are, like you say, getting really discouraged and don't believe in themselves. Well, it doesn't matter if a scientist believes in his hypothesis. That's irrelevant. What matters is that he do, does the test and finds out what happens. So if we can try to foster that emotionless approach and just say, okay, here's an experiment. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. Um, the only way to actually find out is to do it. So let's just approach it that way and we'll find out. And and, uh, and that can be a, a really useful approach for some people, mm-hmm. yeah. And getting them to think in terms of hypotheses and testing and, you know, brings them to the sort of frontal cortex of the brain, which is the, 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 other, you know, the other part of the brain that, like, that, that's the part of the brain that goes offline when they're in fight or flight and I got to eat crap, right? So it's... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it turns it into uh, yeah an academic pursuit rather than an emotional pursuit. And, you know, as I'm sure you probably everyone who's had weight problems, emotional eating is a big issue. And and uh, it's very hard not to be emotional about the way we look and the way we feel. So, yeah, if we can, you know, of course, you're not in, these people are not able to remove the emotion completely. But at least when they have um, when they're able to think clearly in some moments, they'll say, yeah, you know, this is just an experiment. If I don't actually if I don't actually test the hypothesis, then I don't know if it's going to if it's true or not. So, yeah. well, it's yeah. true, like of the scientists who are trying to come up with, you know, covid vaccines or like, you know, there's a there's a lot riding on the outcome. But if, if they yeah. if if they let that leak in to their hypotheses, they're going to, you know, distort reality and, and do crappy work. Yeah, that's a really good um, comparison. Yeah, it's it's the same right across the board. I'm sure that there are people trying to work on all sorts of amazing things at the moment. And there's, you know, it could be totally life changing if they get the result that they want. But yeah, they're, they're not going to do good science if they if they're emotionally invested. Now, um, when you work with people one on one, what do you how do you help them deal with their social environment and and you know so that so they have support do they have support or is it like you're you know teaching them how to not need support yeah that's that's a really tough one as well uh first of all it's it, we we come up with some concrete plans of how to deal with social situations and and it always starts with preparation for me that's you, you know, you can have the best laid thought plans and, you know, the best um, mental strength and toughness and willpower and whatever you like. But uh, that sort of that's all going to run out eventually, especially if you're not well prepared. So the first thing is when people are in social situations, 
when they're going to meet friends or going to someone's place, I always say, turn up on a full stomach. Just just make it easy on yourself. If you're going to meet someone at a cafe for lunch, eat before you go, turn up on a full stomach. And then, you know, the, the worst case scenario is, uh, is you just eat a salad and, you know, and you're done because you're already full. So make it easy on yourself that way. And the second, the second thing is I always, uh, not always, I, I, I shouldn't say always, but, but I, th- I think the, the best first approach for most people is to just be really open and honest with the people around you and, um, and really, you know, just explain to people that, uh, you know, I'm doing something that's important to me. Uh, I, you know, I've had these troubles with food. It's a, whatever the troubles are, you know, just be really open and honest with people about what you're doing um and and be clear that it's not something that you know me with my wife for example when i changed the way i ate uh and lived uh, i was very clear with her that this is not something that you need to do with me this is you know i'm doing this for me it's no there's no pressure on you to do anything differently it's just something i want to do for myself and i'd appreciate some support by not trying to make me eat something different and you know it's it's really simple and really just just clarity of communication is important and, and, um, and, and preparation as I mean, well. This yeah. sounds like the, you telling your wife, you don't have to change sort of lanced any, uh, you know, boils of, of fear, like that would lead to defensiveness or sabotage. Like if she's like, okay, cool. Then she does, she has nothing to defend. Yeah. And she can help you. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's, it's hard because when you change the way you eat, or live or whatever you change that by default is a judgment of the way other people are doing things. Just the simple act of saying, I don't want to do things the way you do anymore. That is no matter how you spin it, that is a judgment of saying, I don't, you know, you disagree with that. So it's, it's hard for the, for the other people around you to accept this change because, you know, it feels like a judgment of them even when it's not intended. So, for that reason, that, that's why I think it's really important to be open and, you know, clearly communicating that you know, this is this is not about you. This is my thing. Do what you want. I don't care. I'm just going to do my thing. Yeah. So I want to close just by um, closing the circle around your earlier work. We saw it with kids who had uh, suffered from trauma and were at risk. Do you see any um, any lessons from that work specifically? with adults with, you know, who have eating emotional eating problems? Like, do you, do you ever kind of, or did they go into their trauma, you know, trauma? Do you, do you, do you see a connection between their current lifestyle and things that may have happened to them as children? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of trauma across, you know, people who are obese or, you know, have eating addiction issues like what that's most of the people I work with. Uh, and, and, you know, people that have behavioral, other sorts of behavioral issues in terms of the kids that I've worked with in the past as well. It's, uh, there, yeah, it's, it's a, it often relates back to trauma and, um, and yeah. And the other, yeah, the big thing for me is it, it can all be changed and it all takes, sometimes it takes time and we need to, we need to look at things from as many different angles as possible and. Um, and try as many different ways to communicate and ways to um, do things as we can because, yeah, everybody everybody that I've ever worked with wants to improve. You know, people, the kids that I've worked with, for example, people often would look at those kind of kids and think, you know, they're they're losers, they've got no hope, they're all, you know, and, and it's easy to see why people would think that because 
you know, the, the way they present and the way they sometimes behave is, is totally at odds with what we expect from a reasonable person. Um, but there's, there's no one that I've ever met or ever worked with who doesn't want to improve. Every single person wants to improve themselves in some way or another. And, and th- we can find a way to help them do that. Uh, it's just a, yeah, it's a, just a matter of time and, and, uh, and trying new ways of, of looking at things, new ways of communicating, and, you know, we'll get there in the awesome. end. So are you taking clients now? Yes, yes. Uh, I, I have a couple of spots available at the moment, uh, and there's not many spots, but, uh, but yeah, I do, I do have a couple of spots. So, so yeah, if, if anyone's interested, just email. So t- tell us how to get in touch with you. How Tell people how to find you. Hi, okay, SpudFit on, on all the social medias. Um, just look up SpudFit and you'll find me. And my website is spudfit.com. And if you want to email me, andrew at spudfit.com. And, uh, and I answer all my emails. So, yeah, you'll hear back from me sooner or later. I might not be uh, – it might, might take me a week, but, uh, but you'll definitely hear back awesome, from me. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Oh, and by the way, before I let you go, have you seen uh, Scott Carney's new book called The Wedge? Oh. No, I haven't. I'm a fan of Scott Carney, but I didn't realize he had a new book. Yeah, no. you know, he did the, his last book was on Wim Hof. And his yeah. new book is like exploring like what he calls the wedge, which is ways in which we can uh, hack our physiology to to separate trigger from response. So not just cold, but like heat oh, and sauna and flotation tank and a chapter on the potato hack. Wow. Okay. Um, that's cool. Maybe I should, uh, I should get in touch with him. That sounds yeah, really cool. I can, I can put you in touch if you want, but I just, I was reading it like, Oh my God, like this thing, like, you know, like, you know, jump running up, uh, Kilimanjaro or all that, like, is like the sexiest, craziest stuff in the world. I can't think of anything less sexy than eating potatoes. And, and he turns it into like this, this yeah. amazing biohack for resetting. So I thought you'd uh, get a kick out yeah. of it. Oh, that's great. I, uh, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I'll, I'll definitely have to look that up. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> right, any, anything I didn't ask you about coaching that uh, you wish I had? No, that was a lot of great questions. And, uh, and it's really nice to be able to talk about coaching itself on a, on a deeper level. So yeah, thank you. That was a lot of great questions. And I think yeah, we covered well, thank it. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for hiding out in your in your garage while the kids get ready for school. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no worries. I can hear there's a bit of noise going on upstairs. I reckon there's a bit of excitement happening. So it might be time for me to get on the bike and ride to school with my big all right, boy. <laughs> enjoy Andrew Spudfit. Taylor, thank you so much for all you do and for taking the time today. No worries. Thank you. And uh, keep up the great work yourself. I, Cheers. I love it. Bye. I hope you found that helpful. So if you'd like to become a health coach, or maybe you already are a health coach and you'd like some additional training and more skills, or perhaps you're a health professional, a doctor, nurse, dietitian, etc., who would like to be able to influence your patients more effectively, again, check it out, wellstartcoach.com. All right, have a great day.